Welcome back, everybody, to H2O and Friends. We're live here at the H2O office in beautiful downtown Kent, Ohio. I'm Brian, and joining me this afternoon is scab host Eric Asp. Uh, that's me. I'm yeah. a scab. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, Brooke is on vacation, and so, uh, I don't know, I think you're just probably one of the best hosts and interviewers of our current time. Wow. I would even put you up there with with Mark Marin. Wow, okay. And uh, Sean Evans. It's it's an honor to be here, for sure. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. Um, We're also joined by our friend and and guest today, uh, Luke Steinkamp. Hello, Luke. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. That that intro was... uh, Made me think I was watching like an 80s baseball film where they're like, mm. <laughs> I was trying to channel um, 99% Invisible. Yes, yeah. you totally had it, it with a beautiful downtown yeah. Kent, Ohio. Yeah. You definitely pulled it off. It is a very beautiful day out. The sun's shining. Man. The breeze is going. It's not too hot. Yeah. Yeah, this whole weekend has just been perfect. Yes. Right around 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Sunshine, blue skies. Sunshine, blue skies, baby. <laughs> so, uh, Luke, you drove here... Um, to Kent, where where's your hometown at again? Yeah, it's Brunswick, so right outside Medina, kind of. Okay, yeah. So it's a, a beautiful uh, what forty minute drive down ish seventy seven. Yes, I took. Well, I tried to take three or three Center okay. Road, mm-hmm. um, but they're doing construction right in between me and Richfield, oh. and so I keep forgetting that. Mm-hmm. So what should be a forty minute drive, I think, turned into nearly an hour. Okay, um, because I had to take like a twenty minute detour. Yeah. That's okay. And yet you were still on time. That's amazing. I I always leave to be early to things. Well done. So guys, uh, I want to hear how's, uh, give me some updates here. How's, how's the week going? Eric, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, like this has been an exceptionally busy week for me and for my family. And I think part of it's due to the fact that my wife and I had an anniversary trip last week and then we're going to do a family vacation this week. And so this is kind of the sandwich week in between when a lot of stuff has to get done. But it also happened to be the week that we started the H2O summer intensive. And uh, that's been so much fun. I mean, we had a a higher response than we expected. We had about 25 people from our church that are doing this together. And um, Just from our church or from Just from H2O Kent. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So, yeah, I think I was going to be really happy with 10 to 15. And we ended up with double that. Um, Dang. But that's, yeah, double the, you know, the amount of logistics, the books to order for the people who are yeah. participating. It's um, double the amount of leaders that we need and discussion groups that we need and that kind of stuff. So, and we're doing it all for the first time, you know, just kind of just trying right. to figure out our rhythms for how it works. It's all taking place in virtual spaces right now. So it's not a, uh, it's not my, my easiest environment. Yeah. But well, we've figured it out, and I'm I'm really pleased with the way it's getting started. Um, the, yeah, la- some- the last three months of doing any sort of church function has just been like I know, like we we have to like reinvent the wheel every time, yeah. or like figure out how to do, you know, some figure out some tech or whatever. And right, <laughs> it has certainly been just a lot of like, all right. What are we doing now? We're getting, getting real good at figuring out how to use YouTube and Zoom and um, yeah, you guys got a lot of stuff in your tool belt now. Yeah, I think we could actually be really well positioned. I, I had an interesting. I was a part of a a workshop kind of thing um, hosted by our network this week, mm-hmm. but they were talking about how like a lot of these these people who are um, doing the same things that we are, you know, collegiate ministry in different places around the world. Kind of like, why did we never think of video conferencing as a way to continue following up with our international students who come to Christ while they're studying abroad, and then they move back to their country? And we've always kind of been like, "Well, I hope you find some other Christians over there." But <laughs> but it's like, no, we got, we've got uh, uh, we've got a way to do that now yeah. that we learned about. Nobody wants yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, how many years of marriage are you are you at here now? Twenty two years of wow. marriage. Isn't that crazy? I didn't realize you guys just had an anniversary. We did. Yeah, That's amazing. May thirtieth. And, uh, yeah, we always, we always observe our anniversary with a, a little getaway, at least a one yeah. night getaway. Oh, yeah, that's good. And some years was really hard to do that. We almost didn't make it happen, but our kids actually took care of themselves now. But, you know, like we, mm-hmm. we've got that's two high so schoolers nice. and a middle schooler. So it's, it is so oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, where was the getaway this year? So we went to beautiful 
East Rochester, Ohio. <laughs> All right, yeah, Rochester. gorgeous. It's Rochester. population of two hundred thirty-one, oh. and uh, it's it's like a, a, kind of in the area where. Ohio and West Virginia and Pennsylvania all come together. Okay. Oh, okay. Really yeah. pretty farmland, rolling hills, forests. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was nice. You know, the COVID kind of limits our scope on on how far how how ambitious we're going to be on a trip. I don't like even that. know if COVID has been there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it has either. <laughs> Did you do like a little Airbnb type thing? Yeah, we rented a little cabin through okay. Airbnb, oh, and it was perfect. That it sounds was, very perfect. Honestly, top ten anniversary trip. Okay. I mean, I mean, we've been Perfect. some wow. really interesting places. East Rochester has has surpassed more than half of them. Wow, it's really cool. And you're a traveled guy. I am. I know. <laughs> I mean, we've we've had anniversaries in Paris and Barcelona and Rome. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because we lived in Europe for ten mm-hmm. years. But uh, yeah, East Rochester's up there. Mm, Barcelona. Um, Barcelona. <laughs> That's right. You've been there, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I That's... um, I I remember Barcelona by. <laughs> Katie and I did like a two week European trip and I we had done enough walking that I had worn a hole through my <sighs> knockoff Target desert boots. Wow. And it was oh, very wow. rainy in Barcelona that day. <laughs> and I remember getting like blisters and like my left foot was just super waterlogged. Oof, um, yeah. You but, were learning what it was like to be a World War One soldier. Yes. Yeah, yeah. kinda. That's true. Yeah, after uh after I just had kind of accepted that my foot is just going to be wet, I had a real fun time. It was great. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Exactly. Embraced the pain. Yeah. What about you, Luke? Yeah, this week has been, it's been really good. I've, it's really been nice that the gym's opened back up and start mm-hmm. working out again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a lot of fun. I decided one day to, since it's been so nice, to rollerblade to the gym and I'm going at night. So I rollerbladed like at sunset. So that was a lot of fun. But then I had to come back in the uh, pitch black it's oh, like a two it's a two mile skate to the gym i go to do you have a headlamp or anything like I that i did have a headlamp okay that's but good. it was one of the goofy ones it's got the strap down the middle yeah so i looked really ridiculous and it was a lot of fun but i almost there were the sidewalk i had to go down at one spot the trees get really really overgrown okay and so i was skating and i ducked down to go under these trees and this headlamp was kind of crappy, so I couldn't see very well. <laughs> and I'm like rolling over sticks, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. Oh, oh. And every time I think I'm okay, I hit another one, and then I hit this patch of like leaves and tiny sticks. And all of a sudden, this big old stick rolls over my first wheel and gets caught. Oh no! In between the second okay, wedges, I do a 180. I'm like dancing on my toes for a couple blocks of sidewalk. Yeah. Finish my 360 and then land in the grass, wow. standing up. Standing the whole time? Yeah. Well done. And I'm like a foot from the road, like one foot length <laughs> from the road. As people, you know, it's a pitch black road. There's no lights or anything. People drive through here. It's supposed to be 25 and they go 30 cause, or right. 40 even because nobody cares. Um, so yeah, it was just a little sketchy moment. Glad you survived that. Yeah, but... That's like that. something out of Looney Tunes, man. Oh, yeah. I, I was probably like flailing. Like, yeah. It, I totally. look ridiculous. That's but. like Wiley Coyote strapping on roller skates for oh, the yeah. first time. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. Uh, Except your position was, you know, like, oh, I'm in the, oh, du- yeah, I'm in the dark. This. I got a yeah. headlight. It's amazing. I haven't put these on in like a year. I got this. <laughs> yeah. So this week's been good. Um, I get to, I'm excited, been trying to get my suit fitted i have a wedding i'm going to next weekend and i like i'm in the bridal party and i Um, it is hard to get stuff fitted when you have to order it online i have heard this yeah yeah so i got the return order like of things resized and now it's too small (sighs) so (laughs) can you go to someone local so they don't let you cut the fabric on the clothes so the shirt i'm gonna have to improvise i don't know we might have to order again yeah but the jacket, I can just go get the sleeves hemmed because everything else fit. So, but I'm super excited for that wedding. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Kind of getting back to normal, it sounds like. I mean, yes. You've got your gyms open again. You were saying you're going to get back to your work. Yeah, my soon. workplace. Yeah. A wedding. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. The wedding doesn't have a reception, so that's kind of a bummer. But yeah. it, it'll still be really nice to go see a lot of the people and meet some of them for the first time. I got to have a Zoom call with all the groomsmen nice. together and... I knew one of them in, yeah. in the groom, um, and that was so much fun. We, we called it eight. It was supposed to be like a one and a half, two hour call. 
we were on until 1230. Really? And, oh, wow. and people were just like, I got to leave because I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, I got work. <laughs> that's some morning. crazy endurance. That's uh, it was so oh much fun. It, I can't even do I can't even do an hour. Seriously, yeah. that's I, unreal. I, I normally can't either. I don't have I, enough focus. But told, something made it fun. What made it fun? What made it quick? I think one, the best man did a great job of having really goofy, like half serious, half stupid, entertaining questions to answer okay. for all of us to get to know each other. Um, that sounds like something Tom Winter would love. Yeah, he loves, he loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. and then we would just banter back and forth about like random things, and it's just a really good group of guys that kind of blended well together a couple people that are very extroverted and just like you know leaning out the window of their house and shouting on the zoom call or you know so being goofy and you know <laughs> yeah he just literally yeah two of the guys live Why in the not? same city yeah. but they've never met each other before okay. um and they found out on the zoom call that they lived in the same city so the one guy leans out the window <laughs> and goes paul can you hear me <laughs> could he no, oh, no, they live on the other side of town. He's like, he's like, you want a beer? I was like, that was very funny. funny. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, let's see. It does feel like it's been very odd because it does feel like life is returning to whatever normal is mm, a little yes. bit right now. Yeah. But also at the same time, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if this is good or not. Yeah. I know, like our area has been like fairly relatively safe safe as far as the the virus goes but i don't know it's 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 real odd it's it, real odd and it's so weird with the lag time mm -hmm. on you know like if there's any new factors that get kind of opened up again you have to find out three weeks later what that means mm -hmm. in terms of yeah health, that yeah that is kind of the biggest like issue because a lot of times it's like oh Four days later, people are showing symptoms. Right. Yep. That, that you know, this level of socialization is not okay. Now we kind of have this big gap time that, I mean, two weeks, that's a half a month. Yeah. Like, you're, you're looking at months down the road waiting for consequences mm -hmm. of things that happened a long time ago. I find that really unsettling. How is your family dealing with that, Brian? Yeah, we're doing all right with it. It's, we've been... Um, we've been talking about trying to get together with my extended family, like... Mm. I have uh, I have a fairly large family, and there's just been opinions all over the place of of what what we should do. We should mm. get together. We shouldn't get together. I think we've landed on have, having a meeting, getting together outside. You know, families staying together. You know, each family pod kind of staying six feet apart from each other. Yeah, I think that'll be I think that'll be just fine. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, um, it's still been really frustrating, like, just being around, working with the general public, because um, mm -hmm. all we talk about is uh, COVID, <laughs> masks, and, uh, and, and racial injustice, wow. or not racial injustice, police brutality, right. and um, I just get really frustrated, because a lot of people just have opinions that are just dumb, and just are not what God wants for us. And mm. I just get really frustrated sometimes. And I don't know, I don't know what to do with any of that. Yeah. Like I just get really, and, and you only yeah. get it in, uh, you know, one, two, one to two minute slices. Right? I don't get to and, have a conversation. And then it starts all over again. Yeah. Resets with each yeah. person yeah. that comes up to the, the yeah, just, you just get like a one, two shot of opinion. Yeah. And then some of those leave you feeling dirty yeah. <laughs> and some of them you're like okay yeah it, it, it would probably be nicer if you could have a conversation about it yeah because even some of the ugliest opinions sometimes when you get to have a conversation about it at the very least you've heard the person and it doesn't feel so ugly so. yeah 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 i've landed on uh i'm sorry you feel that way here's your coffee have a nice yeah. day uh -huh. <laughs> yeah next that's, yeah. that's a good strategy um, I've also, I didn't kind of figure this out until, um, a couple of days ago. I spent probably half of the week, uh, fairly depressed. Mm. Um, and I think what a big portion of it was is, um, I mean, as you guys know, like all the stuff about police brutality and a focus on systemic racism and, um, yeah, I just had a really hard time with that. And I think, I think maybe kind of the max point of that 
was, um, I guess it, w- it would have been two weeks ago now when, mm. um, when those protesters at, um, and they cleared out the area from the white house to the, yeah. Yeah. And then the president, really two weeks ago, I think it's about I that. So wow. Yeah. Time flies. And then the president standing in front of the church, waving a Bible around and yeah. looking at it like it's a foreign object. Right. Um, that was just really, that was just really hard. It just makes me really, really, really angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I am curious to know how, how you guys are doing with some of, with some of that stuff. And, uh, Luke, I've been told you've been reading some books that have yes. been giving you some insight into this a little bit. Um, t- yeah. tell us about that. Well, they're not like actual, um, books of research or anything like not that. books about um, race relations. Exactly. But, Although yeah. I have a couple that I, I really want to read. Um, but the libraries are open and I'm not willing to pay that much money for books right now. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, newsflash, we just found out today that the Kent free library is available for ordering ahead of time and oh. then going to the window to pick up. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Reopening. I libraries reopening our library. That is phenomenal. I don't think but it is. It is harder. Is I mean, it's still even, even oh, at yeah. that, it, it's a lot but, harder. So, um, so some of those books that I want to read are like a book by a guy named Thomas Sowell named, uh, called Discrimination and Disparities. He's an economist and kind of talking about uh, economics and those kinds of things related to hmm. that issue. And yeah. Um, then, yeah, so that's just one of them. Uh, but I also – I started coming home. I was like, okay, after we got sent home from school, I'd been on my phone a lot. And I was like, I need to disconnect from mm-hmm. this thing. I need some space. So – I decided, okay, every time that I would normally be like, oh, I need a break from studying or doing homework or, oh, I'm going to go pick up my phone and watch a YouTube video, I had to sit down and I was like, okay, I'm going to read. Um, and, some, you know, I wasn't super strict with that because I was like, sometimes I need a video. But um, so I started reading uh, The Grapes of Wrath. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was the introduction into it. And I think that's a tough. That's a tough one. It's a really good book, though. It's great. Um, Yeah. And it had. I think I came home, and the whole COVID thing in general was making me think a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And that book became an avenue for my philosophical waxings and thinking. Yes. Um, And it kind of started this process from then on until now, where I've kind of been. Uh, my mom phrased it as you've been, your intellect is being challenged. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, spiritually, emotionally, uh, college has, there's been periods in college where I've been super challenged. Uh, now I'm kind of, I've got this point where I'm, my intellect is being challenged. Uh, so it was really interesting to read Steinbeck and think about, you know, people's, like about purpose and calling and identity uh, as people, you know, they lose mm-hmm. their ability to farm. They lose their ability to provide for themselves. Yeah. Every Their entire world, everything they know, is turned upside down in a split second. Mm-hmm. It and takes place in, like, the Dust Bowl, yes. right? Like, yes. During, yeah, well, the setting is the Dust Bowl families that moved to California. Okay. Central yeah, Valley to do farming there. And about the corruption and the, the manipulation that goes on to get them to come there to, you know, drop uh, employment prices. These people are getting paid nothing and... You know, that's how you get the Hoover towns and things like that. And right. So it was really, really interesting. Um, but then I started reading after that. Uh, I've been saying for like a year, I need to read The Lord of the Rings uh-huh. uh, because I have loved the movies for a long time. But I was like, I can't be a true nerd if I haven't read the books. I <laughs> and you want to be a true nerd. Yes, I yeah, want to be a true nerd. Good. Like yeah. I got I really want to claim my love for Lord of the Rings. So no, no nerd shaming here. No, you, you know, you do what you got to do. I love it. Um, so, so you got to read the whole trilogy already? Yes. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think in a matter of a month, I read the whole trilogy, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, it when, is. Okay. I, I think what, what you're saying, I identify with too. Like I think that when, with all these events that are going on, um, all the unrest and the uneasiness and that kind of stuff, I think that social media is designed to provide hot takes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's good for mm-hmm. like quick reactions and people saying where they stand and that kind of thing. But it's not a narrative structure. Like there's not something you yeah. can, no. you can uh, pin a more, 
comprehensive understanding to. And we need that narrative and structure right you now. You do, exactly. And so, I mean, even The Grapes of Wrath was not written about COVID-19, was not written about um, police brutality against African-Americans. Um, neither was Lord of the Rings. You know, they were all written long ago to a long different context. And yet they give some of that narrative structure, I think, that your brain needs to process what's going on. It gives you a space. So I'm curious to know what that has looked like for you as you've kind of processed all the things going on. How how have those stories given a structure to make that make sense? I think the biggest thing, Brian, you were talking about just kind of your spirit being heavy Mm -hmm. last week. And that's kind of where I think the Lord of the Rings begins almost like its heart kind of begins there it's this it's this book that it's this journey in this adventure book mm-hmm. and this story but you're like you kind of spend the whole time you're like there's this essence of sadness mm-hmm. like why why are we kind of melancholy the whole story yeah i thought we we're going to beat the bad guy and like you know trying to con- <laughs> you know throw the ring of power into the fire right. and restore goodness and the reality of the story is like i think often we've got these heroic stories where oh we've restored everything as it was to its perfect place and the lord of the rings doesn't try to do that yeah uh tolkien's goal is like he talks about you know his story the he's got the elves and they're for the people who don't know it they have they're basically an eternal being mm-hmm. um they have this they come from a place not the world that um the stories the main story is set in uh, in lord of the rings and they have they're very, very wise. They've got foresight and they've been around for forever. Um, and so with that, they've seen they've seen the world from its very beginning, where it was perfect. It's it's intentional beginning. They've seen that and it matters a lot to them. They've got tons of songs of joy and victory and life in that. Um, but they've also seen the evil mm. um, that has risen up through the various ages and millennia. Right. Um, and they have deep mourning. Uh, and so their their narrative, the way that they impact all the other characters and the structure of the whole story uh, is is very evident um, because the whole story kind of revolves around the fact that up until now, the elves have been the, the dominant leading people in the mm. world. Uh, they've been the ones that are leading the way. They are um, they're wise, they're gentle, they're kind, um, but they're also ferocious warriors when they need to be. Um, and so... The sadness is that their time's coming to an end, uh, and so it's learning to be able to mourn the ending while also celebrating the the new things that are coming in the hobbits becoming more intertwined with the rest of the world. They've been a very isolated group. Mm. Um, like, nobody knows about them. And through this story, the world learns to know what hobbits are, and that has negative consequences and positive ones. Uh, and the race of men, the uh, Numenorians that also are related to elves, they come into power and it becomes their time yeah. uh, to rule the earth and to to lead. Uh, and they have a great leader to, to set that off for them, Aragorn. And that story is very connected to and like it just makes you think about transition um, mm-hmm. and relationships with people and what's important. Mm. Elves and dwarves hate each other, but by the end of the book, the two best friends in the book are an elf and a dwarf. Right. Legolas and Gimli are now best friends and they end up sailing like, yeah, together and like going on all these trips and adventures after the yeah. basic story ends. And it's not meant like, I, I don't think Tolkien had in mind that, you know, the elves represent the Welsh and the dwarves represent the Scottish and the, the humans represent the English. It's not like that. Exactly. Is it? It's, 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 but it, you can still, see it as distinct people groups. Absolutely. His, that he wrote, you know, in interviews and stuff because people love to read into allegory and they, they want to have a purpose, like a world application to things that are as complex and awesome as his books are. Um, but he adamantly argued, he was like, no, stop. <laughs> this is just, just a, this is just a story. Right. Um, but the reality is he was a, profound thoughtful man and so his writing was impacted by that they were doing some of the same things that we do when we read a story now and we see resonance in our current events absolutely so it makes sense that people do that but i think it's cool that that tolkien wasn't trying to 
tell a particular story was just trying to tell a story that, that could give resonance to different people. I'm, I'm actually curious around that corner. Like what, what do you see today as, uh, you know, the, the, the meaning of, of all of the unrest that we're experiencing right now? How, how does, how does Tolkien's story make sense of that? How does Steinbeck's story make sense of that? Yeah, I think Steinbeck's story almost, there's not a great resolution to that story. Mm. Uh, it kind of ends very, what well, feels kind of abruptly, uh, without really a, res- it's not, there is no happy ending by any means. Like, it's pouring rain, the daughter just had, like, a miscarriage, and, like, it, it's it's a hot mess. Yeah. Um, there is no justice for these people that gave up their whole life for a dream that didn't exist. Um, so I think that in terms of making sense of the world through that narrative, it's realizing that the world, like the world isn't a fair place and it's broken. Yeah. Uh, and maybe humans don't have the power to fix that. Uh, and there's a absolute, well, bummer mm. <laughs> in that. And versus Lord of the Rings where, there's a you spend the whole time mourning the fact that and and being concerned about the fact is can we win will we win will we win uh, and you're mourning the fact that all this stuff is not as it was that that the perfect is gone forever um but then you reach the end where there's this hope uh for the future and i think that looking at all the unrest currently lord of the rings does a really good job of building when you you know, layer current events over top of it. Um, like you talk about Legolas and Gimli. It's like an example of, I think, how moving forward, more effective than even maybe institutional change, maybe individual relationship, um, being uncomfortable, like visibly uncomfortable. Um, I watched a sermon um, from a guy from a pastor named Michael Todd of Transformation Church mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his point in that was that it doesn't start with the church as a body, it, like as, a, as an institution. It doesn't start with lawmakers. It doesn't start with anything like that. It starts with individual people mm-hmm. um, because ultimately, if we're speaking specifically about racism, that's a heart issue. Um, and that comes out of... Like, out of overflow of a man's heart he speaks um and so if your heart's dirty everything else is going to be and the only way your heart gets clean is through jesus uh and through interaction with people that are different from you Uh, and i think there's a two-sided interaction with that i think that sometimes i know that sometimes you know both white people and black people can be like wait, you're different than me. I'm kind of uncomfortable right now. Um, and if we would both be comfortable, like uncomfortably, com- like comfortably uncomfortable enough to be like, I'm going to step out of where I'm okay uh, into a space that I don't get. And I'm very uncomfortable. And Michael Todd's example in his sermon was he had some buddies that he hung out with uh, and they, they were close and they were good, but um, they all like duck hunting and they were like, <laughs> they, so then yeah. they'd talk about anything and then they'd go to talk about duck hunting and they'd kind of talk quieter. Mm. And he's like, what the heck? Like, come on, talk. Just because I don't talk about, just because I don't duck hunt, like, talk about it. And heck, next time we go, take me duck hunting next time. And so they went duck hunting next time with him. And it became yeah. this really profound time to interact with one another. Um, and his point was create opportunities to interact with people. Uh, and you even see that with Lord of the Rings, Legolas and Gimli, they start off by being like, Gimli's like, I'd never do anything with an elf. And Legolas is like, stupid dwarf. And uh, they're, at, like, they're sophisticatedly at each other's throats. But by the end of the book, they've made this pact to Legolas, like Gimli hates the woods. The woods that are alive, it's called Fangon Forest, and he's so afraid of them. And so, but Legolas loves trees because he's from a, like his his elf tribe, I guess is how you would say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an is, elf. 
Yeah, but they, <laughs> it's what they do. Yeah, they, some of them love trees, and some of them like live other places. And his people are the wood elves, and so he wants to go in this forest because this forest is like ancient, like the beginnings of the world, ancient, and it talks. So he wants to go in this forest, and Gimli's like, "Oh heck no!" Um, but Gimli has this cave that they found that's got all these jewels in it, and dwarves love shiny things, like they love the bling, and he wants to go see that. And Legolas is like. But it's a cave, bro. <laughs> and you're going to mine the cave. And he's like, no, no, no. Or Gimli's like, no, no, no. We would take immaculate care of this cave because it doesn't have resources. It just has things that we value as dwarves. Mm, yeah. um, and they agree to go to the place that they're the most uncomfortable with one another because they care about each other and they made yeah. a decision to. I think that reflecting that, I think that individual relationships changes perspective that then changes decision making. Yeah, and individuals make decisions within institutions. Um, I've heard a lot of you know ideas or debates from even um, African American conservatives, and they point that a lot of them argue it's like the the laws, like racism is illegal, um, but stuff <laughs> right. still stuff still happens. You know, it still happens, yeah. and so their argument is okay. You know, I can't legislate your heart. Right. Um, so they're like, well, let's do stuff to interact with one another. Let's actually have relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to that extent, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm no means at an enlightened end of my decision. I'm 21. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, just, I have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, these are my rambling thoughts. And so the reality that, man, if I interact with people, that changes things. I, yeah. I absolutely, no, that's good insight. From having like... African Americans in my classes from right. being able to hang out um, with impact people and things like that. Like mm-hmm. my my comfortability and my perception of African Americans has definitely changed from being a kid where right. I knew two in yeah. high school yeah. and they grew up in a white suburban neighborhood. So culturally, mm-hmm. they they fit in with me more. Yeah. To right. really, it's even I think you know Martin Luther King talked about your character before you're. Yeah, melanin, and so that's. Um, I think the culture, at least for me, is the thing that I want to get more involved in because yeah. that's what's abnormal to me. Because yeah, that's good. The culture's like, oh, I'm not used to that, but cool. I'm curious. I mean, you've you've just. I mean, you're getting to the end of your schooling. Yeah, and you've been studying criminal justice, and uh, yeah, and, and conflict and conflict, <laughs> and uh, and you're getting close to a point where your career is going to be uh, coming next. So how are you interpreting all of this? I mean, all the, the stories that you're reading, all the current events that are happening, all the experiences that you've gained over the last few years. It's a scary, scary time to graduate. It's a, it's a very scary time to do anything. <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't want to walk out my door. Yeah. I'm going back down to the bunker. <laughs> do you have a bunker? Can I see No. It? Oh, I have my right. basement. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how, how are you... Uh, like, what do you think of the the idea um, defund the police? You know, that's the, that's the yeah. phrase that seems to be big in the news this week. Yeah, I think, like you said, you know, before we started, um, that it it's possible that it's kind of an inflammatory statement to get attention, um, not in a negative way of oh, you just want attention, um, but to to draw people's like, oh wait, people are actually really wanting to do something about this. They're serious mm-hmm. um, because. Me of all people knows that drama can draw people's attention, mm. uh, and they will pay attention to you if you get dramatic. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, and still sometimes am the king of doing that. Um, but the reality is that I think you know you mentioned that it might be just we need to restructure, and I think that that's more the answer than all right. We're taking all the money away from the police department and we're putting it in the hands of an individual group or like just the city people in general. You're going to police each other. Um, I think that that. That poses a lot of challenges. Um, I mean, you even see Ahmad Arbery's case um, from a couple weeks ago as well, right. where you know that's citizens taking charge of justice. Now, those guys did have some police training um, prior to the incident, and I don't know enough about that incident to speak on my thoughts on it. But the idea being that when you put citizens in charge, they make a lot of iffy decisions because they don't have the training and that's how you see police make iffy decisions because they don't get enough training um so i think that restructuring great idea or just 
really intentional and like accountable uh, look at police departments and where they're failing uh, and like actually following through on on making changes um, because the police departments like if you say oh there's this problem but then they can't change it either because there's no money or nobody's holding them accountable to then nothing changes right mm-hmm. um, I, I think one of the things I've been learning a lot through the last um, few weeks is the history of United States um, racial dynamics mm. is very much tied up in economic dynamics. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this, uh, I mean, I think the idol of the United States of America is the almighty dollar. I mean, we, we yep. call it that, right? I mean, we call yep. it that sometimes, the almighty dollar. Yep. And it has changed so many uh, people's relations to how they view systemic, systematic oppression. It uh, has changed the, the relationship between, yeah, laws that are getting passed and, and those sorts of things. And I think that's why a lot of the people who are involved in the Black Lives Matter movement are are talking in terms of defunding the police because they recognize there's a economic instrument there yeah. that they yeah. could use. And I think it's really, and they may be saying it in a provocative way, yeah. but um, but I think there is there is something there. Like if if we can't, I mean, Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Absolutely. And so I think there's there's a thing. What we what we value is what we're going to give money to in this yeah. country. And I think that the really interesting thing you see too is people making the counter argument: don't defund the police. There or there isn't systemic racism. There are, they make really economically based arguments as well. Um, and so I think it's really interesting to see that, you know, how and we see this in general and division in our country yeah. over all kinds of things. It's like we're pointing to the same exact factor and drawing a different conclusion. Um, True. Yeah. And so it's, it's very, very interesting to see that. Um, and yeah, I absolutely agree with you that the idea that, um, there are economic factors driving inequality and economic factors driving a perception of inequality in other areas as well right. um, can be. No, and I think everybody's got to think through. I mean, I, I can, yeah. I have these hippie Euro, you know, <laughs> I'm on board socialist with all, sensibilities. I'm that, on board yes. with all of them. Eric. You're on board with all of them. Thank you. All but, of them. No, but, but I, I like if you think it through all the way that there, there are going to be problems with any system that Absolutely, gets implemented yeah. and any, yeah, I, I think that's that's realistic. But what do you make of that? I mean, like, how are you going to approach that in terms of what you do after graduation? Yeah. So, I mean, I've decided that I want to become a paramedic um, after graduating. And so I think in general, my life, though, approaching that, it's like I really, given knowing these systematic issues and being aware of them, I think it's, one, I'm going to, we talked about earlier, like, the relationship focus. Um, the biggest impact I can make is having a good relationship with every person I meet and treat. Hmm. Um, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. Yeah. Like if I have a good relationship with those people and I treat them like a human being. Um, that's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Precisely. Yeah. Um, and you, it's like, I think that that is the, that's the goal for me. Um, Keeping that in mind is the best thing. I think the minute, at least for me, the minute I go down, okay, they might perceive me this way, or they might, then I start acting differently, and then their perception becomes reality because now I'm making a judgment based off of something I don't even know. I'd rather make the judgment off of, oh, your arm is broken <laughs> and you're in pain, not making judgment. Oh, it's an, it's it's a Hispanic person, and oh, I know X Y Z about Hispanic people, like. I don't know anything about Hispanic people. Right. I don't have any Hispanic friends. I don't right. know. So, oh, okay, I'm going to go treat this person's arm. Hey, hey, take a deep breath. You're okay. Well, right. and even, you know, people are, we were talking about this with Gara last week. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, people are people. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, Gara likes to shop at the Gap. That doesn't mean uh, yeah. all black people like to shop at the Gap. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's, it's so true. I think yeah. that, we we it's become so easy for us to identify people by like super visible characteristics um you know we've got hipsters and 90 percent of the time at least for the guys oh you've got a beard 
and a growler or a coffee mug and a flannel or something like that. Right. Or hey, but hey, <laughs> do you fit that category? Take it close to the market. Take, see, see, take it easy, Luke. See? Hey, I'm wearing skinny jeans and Vans, okay, like oh, yeah. with massive holes in them. Yes, <laughs> I fall into your category. <laughs> um, so, but those judgments about oh, these are the things that people that wear that kind of stuff right. think. You're gonna get like eighty percent of it wrong. Yeah. So. I think that people are people and treat, look for their character first, and you only get to do that by approaching them with a clean slate. Right. And I think we oftentimes approach people without a clean enough slate. I think yeah. so, uh, something that's been a challenge for me kind of in that process going home, one of the things I've been working through too has been um, being more like security conscious, security conscious for myself of like, okay, situationally aware things like that um being okay what's going on around me um being just safe operating in the world um you know at, at an aware status rather than unaware in my phone or something like that one it makes me more engaged with what's going on and i can notice i notice guys creation more now that i do that because I mean, i'm taking note of it mm, it's not just yeah. taken for granted because i'm looking for what's in my surroundings mm -hmm. but also then i notice people more and i can have conversations um but the challenge in that is you know, a lot of traditional teaching and being situational aware is, all right, you're making predetermined judgments on people without getting to talk to them right. and assessing their threat level. Like, is this person a threat based on these characteristics? Right. And we have science to indicate that, okay, you know, thousand yard stare or you're staring over your brow and you're being shifty like this and mm -hmm. you're positioning your body in certain spaces. You know, there's, there's things that's like, okay, Scientifically, that's a threat indicator. You're about to do something threatening, um, but I think that we very easily mix those up with other assumptions, mm. and so that's been a wrestling for me. Is I want to be more security conscious. Um, you know, I've made a decision to start carrying a firearm um, and things like that. So, I Ooh, do you have it right now? No, no, I no. don't have. I haven't got my <laughs> my license hasn't come through yet. Okay, and uh, I, I didn't know. Well, yeah. So that's kind of the idea is it's like okay if, especially if i'm going to do that you know carry a lethal option with me i really need to be but i also want to i don't want to shut off the ability to witness to people just because oh he's wearing a dirty hoodie like right you know i'm willing if i train myself well enough i'm willing to also take a risk maybe to be like mm. eh, you're probably could be considered a threat other people would walk away um, do you feel like you're in like dangerous situations often? No, no. no. Okay. but it's about creating a mentality to be like, okay, if I am in one, um, mm. then I want to be prepared to handle that. Um, and I don't perceive myself living in like suburban safe yeah. America my whole life. Um, I don't think I want to live in the city, but I might end up doing work near the city or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've contemplated like going overseas for missions or stuff like that. And there's some dangerous places over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I can't have a firearm over there, but I want to be trained in other things, but yeah. being situationally aware keeps you that way. And so that's kind of the, the process I've been going through. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if we can kind of turn a page here Yeah. and, um, kind of round out the end of the episode here with some, with some fun stuff. Fun and, is good. Uh, okay. This, I'm like excited for this, but I'm also kind of nervous. Oh, no, no need to be no, nervous. No, nervous. no, no need to be nervous. Let me get some. I'm going to play some band Camino here because I know you like them, oh. even though you can't hear them. <laughs> I'm going to put my headphones on for yeah. this one. Yes. Uh, okay, Luke, um, something that I love about you is you're a guitar player. And not only do you play guitar, you build guitars. Yes. You sent me I didn't know that. You sent me pictures of, of a guitar that you built uh, over... Uh, quarantine. Yeah. Over quarantine. And um, Luke Steinkamp, are you ready to play Name That Guitar Builder? So I'm oh, I have, Okay, here I we have go. five sets of people I'm going to give you. Okay. And you have to name which one is the guitar builder and which one is fake. Okay. Okay? I... This could either go. This is going to go one of two ways. Yeah. Very badly, or very very well. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Joe Naylor or Marty Schwartz. Which one's the guitar builder? Naylor. Ding ding ding. That's okay. Oh, Schwartz, okay. Schwartz teaches lessons. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you tricking me? Uh, Joe Naylor uh, is founder and creator of Reverend Guitars out of oh, Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. Yes. You love Reverend. 
You have I a do. little love affair I do. with I, I don't have the money for one. Though. <laughs> uh, okay. Number two. Tim Buckland or Dennis Fano? Fano. That is correct. Of Fano Guitars and Novo Guitars. I, I knew Novo you would, so bad. I knew you would know that. You got to give him a softball at least yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, oh don't worry. Um, Tim Tim Thelen or Andy Tuman? Tuman? Uh, wrong. Oh. Tim okay. Thelen uh, is a founder and creator of Built Guitars. Uh, wait, which one? Built. Built. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We're two and one. All what, right. What? Who is Andy Tuman? I use my neighbor growing up. Yes, that's a great one. I love that. Uh, okay. All right, we're going. We're going Scandinavian here. Oh boy. Ola Strandberg or Nels Hofberg? Ola, right? That is correct. Strandberg guitars. Have you ever seen these things? They're insane. They're they, so cool. I've they have like them. no headstock, and they're like built for comfort, oh. but they look. They look bizarre. Ridiculous. They look like, like, is, like it, is it cool if you show up in a club playing one of those? Or absolutely it's, it's, not. Yeah. No okay. way. Right. Unless yeah. you're playing like prog metal or something uh, like that. Yeah. And you're like tapping all over Funny. the place and headbanging. Yes. Okay. Number five. Leo Fender or Luke Steinkamp? Don't answer it. It's a oh, trick question. I, they're, I, both, I this one. they're both great they're guitar both. I would say, I would say we if we put <laughs> your, your telly over there next to my... Frankenmaster, uh, I, I'd take that. <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? Me, because I played both of it's them. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Yours all day long. Oh, man. All right. Um, okay, folks. Fun. Um, we're coming up here at the end of the show, and we always like to end the show with recommendations of the week. Eric, do you oh, have any yeah. recommendations for us? One of my favorite us? parts of the show, yeah. I, uh, I do. I have a book recommendation. So we'll keep in theme with the, the literary review nature Sweet. of this podcast. But I recently read a book called The Ungrateful Refugee no. by Dina Nayeri. Sounds controversial. It is. Um, like, so she, she was born in Iran and moved to the United States when I think she was eight years old, 10 years old, something like that. Um, but she went through a long process. It wasn't just, you know, you fly out of... Um, Isfahan Airport and land in mm-hmm. in New York City and it's it's fine. Like she she had a long process where they went to Italy for a little while. They went to the United Arab Emirates for a while and then Italy and then the UK and then ended up in the US and then eventually settled in Oklahoma. Oh, and wow. uh, and just she describes her experience, which is very interesting. Although that was you know I, I think maybe thirty years ago or something. But then she also describes the experience of um, refugees today, and explains the way that they approach things. And it's a it's a really it's a really well done story. Like I think the the author has a a really personal take and a, a really sincere self examination mm-hmm. that makes it a really good story. Huh. But um, but it also sheds all kinds of light on these these issues of uh, prejudice that exist mm. in our culture. Yeah. And it was written, you know, before the the recent events. Of course, it was written maybe yeah. I think a year ago, or it came out about a year ago. But uh, but highly resonant with with the things that are coming out right now, and just even talking about what a, a refugee's attitude should yeah. be. Like you know, the title is referring right. to this the sense of the, the classic American narrative. It should be like, oh, the, these you know these poor poor people yes. from mm, the rest yeah, of the world come right. to the United States and that's the happy ending to their story. Yeah. And it's it's really a lot more complicated than that. But I, I just thought it was a, a really good book. I checked it out from the library and read it on a is it f- Kindle. It's nonfiction? It is nonfiction. Okay. Yep. She's written a couple other books that are fiction. Um but um yeah I really en- enjoyed that book. Would highly recommend it to anybody who's trying yeah. to yeah. find Interesting read. I mean, there's a lot of good book recommendations out there right now, but that one to me is is one that I would put out. Awesome. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Luke? Oh goodness, I have like so many because the past month has just been information. Like I've just been eating information like it's a buffet. Uh, all you can eat. The uh, information buffet. Yes, but I will pick. I will pick a book. A two. You're only getting two. You're only getting two. Because I you could, you could I, hear him gearing up for a list I, of. I do the double five. recommend, and uh-huh. I'm only allowing you to do that. Dang it! Okay, so 
Uh, then I'll just go song-wise. The song I mentioned before we started talking today, um, it's called Crave by... Oh, shoot. I forgot the name of the band. Hold on. You liked okay. it that much. I love... <laughs> I, I know the song name. I know a bunch of their other songs. Yeah. I just can't find the name of the band because I never have to... Was it by uh, Marshmallow Fluff Incident? No. No. Valley Heart. Valley Heart. Valley Heart's okay. their name. Okay. Um, and it's it's a really good song about just what our human tendency to just want more and more and how why are we so unsatisfied with everything in life and why does the nine to five grind seem so unenticing um, and things like that uh and then my other recommendation would be if you just want to be challenged and kind of examine philosophical thought from a different perspective it's almost like a secular take on theology almost he's a a, uh, clinical psychologist his name's jordan peterson and he oh jordan peterson the infamous jordan Peterson. yes exactly he's got a lot of very interesting thoughts and i think that the uh things he brings to the table are good thought experiments to kind of yeah even even challenge you to grow and he encourages you and i encourage you to draw your own conclusions Yeah. yeah but i think that he he's definitely countercultural, yeah. Um, okay. And I think in some ways that can be a good thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was just my those, two recommendations. Those sound interesting. I don't I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know enough about Jordan Peterson to really say anything, but hmm. he said some controversial stuff. Over oh yeah, years. absolutely. Yeah. And I think you know from yeah. hearing him talk so much, it's, yeah, some of it's yeah his own fault, and some of it's not his own fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, my recommendations. Um, well, I just want to. Uh, I want to I want to build upon last week. Gara recommended Taskmaster, oh. and I'm here to tell you guys that show is real great. <laughs> okay, Katie and I have been watching a couple episodes every night, and we laugh so hard That's to the awesome. point where the next morning we'll wake up Eleanor and she'll be like, "I heard Daddy laughing last night." Oh yes, <laughs> That's awesome. Aww. Sorry, kiddo. That's what you get. Um, you can do way worse. So good. Yes, you could so do way for, worse. Um, your parents laugh. Uh, my actual recommendation is there is a game I've been playing called Deep Rock Galactic. Okay. And I thought you were going to say Raid Shadow Legends. No, <laughs> no. Uh, Deep Rock Galactic has been, uh, I'm completely enraptured by this game. So it's meant to be played as a co-op game. So it's you and, and three others. And uh, it takes place uh, in space. You're part of the space mining team Ooh. that uh, drills down into these asteroids, and you have to, you know, find. There's various mission objectives, um, but everyone is kind of a different class, so that you can do different things. Like one guy can shoot like zip lines to help you get places, and uh, there's usually like swarms of insects you got to gun down, and it's just really. It's really tense, but also a lot of fun. Okay. Now the real the, here's the kicker. You're dwarves. You're dwarves in okay. space. The tie-in, tie-in to <laughs> yes. uh, I was like, Tolkien's universe. Yes. And I was thinking that, like, oh, SpaceX, we're talking about getting into space tourism and mining That's here. Fun. This yeah. is cool. And then you're dwarves. It mashes up dwarves <laughs> in space. How weird. And uh, it's got a ton of character, and it's just, uh, I think it might be my game of the year right now. Wow. Okay. It's, it's massive amounts of fun. Uh so that's it. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. it. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Luke and Eric, thanks Glad for being here. here. Yes. Um, my goodness, what a heck of a show. Absolutely. And um, church, we love you dearly. We're praying for you. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. So long.